Alright, welcome to another edition of Reptile Fight Club. It's me, Justin Julander. And with me, as always, Chuck Poland. What is up? Roll the dice. Ooh, we've been having a little technical issue issue here and Chuck keeps disappearing no, every like te- couple yeah, seconds. It's not a technical issue. I, I think I was just messing with my microphone <laughs> and it was like causing the ultimate go on the fritz. Like Yeah, yeah. let's hope. I was phasing in and out of existence, and noises were coming on and going away, yeah. and now I hear Ruby squeaking in the background. Getting ready to hear the words, Yeah, PK. she's like, oh, it's <laughs> fight time. <laughs> it's go time. Time to bark. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a little while since uh, we've recorded. It has been a while. I don't even feel like I know you anymore. Who are you? I know it's been. You are a been man of many books. <laughs> yeah, man. That's holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'll do a little uh, recap of. So I, I recently went to Mexico on a little trip. Um, you boys been to Mexico? Yeah, I uh, posted a link. I don't know if anybody saw, but post a link to some like short clips. But I, there's a YouTube video I need to put up that my buddy filmed he's got this all i saw was a, a seal and a fat bird oh yeah oh just the pictures photos you haven't seen the video yeah. yet um no. i'm pretty sure i shared it on facebook but i think you did it's pretty cool so he has one of those 3d cameras so basically we went down to uh where was it <laughs> wymas area down in mexico so basically south of tucson till you hit the ocean and uh Beautiful place, like just really nice, really. I think they thought it was going to be this huge resort town, and so they like built it up like it was going to be huge, and then it didn't really deliver. (laughs) And so it's kind of still got the small town feel, but, you know, the the ocean's beautiful, the, you know, water's nice and clear and very warm. It was like 80 degrees, the water temperature down there in October, so not a bad uh, thing. And so mainly the trip was focused around snorkeling and stuff. And so we were in the water quite a bit, did a bunch of day dive, you know, just uh, dives, I guess. I don't know if you call them dives when you're snorkeling, <laughs> day swims. Well, you were with divers, right? Like, oh, yeah. On the, there on, were divers on the boat and, trip. and then you guys were snorkeling, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, the first few days we just kind of hit some of the different sites around town, just from the beach and looked at fish, did that kind of thing. Um, oh my gosh, you're going to become a fisher. <laughs> I dragged, fish, I dragged my buddy. So I went with my buddy from high school and my daughter, Grace, and then we went, uh, like I dragged him out at night to go herping. So I brought some little mm-hmm. lights and stuff. And we actually stayed at my buddy's house in Phoenix the night before we went down to Mexico. And so we went out herping that night too, but we only found a, oh, um, tarantula and a banded gecko, uh, out in the Phoenix area. Where did we we just kind of went east of his house, I think. So um over into the like the foothills of the superstitions. So we we went after dark, so I didn't really get to see where we were herping, but he took us down this cool mm. canyon, so we did this little loop hike thing in the dark and um yeah, found a couple things. Found a little uh, red spotted toad. Um so yeah, it was it was fun. And then uh got a good night's sleep. Drove down there in the morning, you know, like I said, uh, went around snorkeling and stuff. The food was fantastic. <laughs> really, uh, oh, yeah. not, not expensive. It was 
really mm-hmm. uh, nice uh, time for a lot of seafood. Stomach. Yeah, yeah. Seafood. We had uh, fish tacos, of course, and some shrimp tacos. Nice. And then we got some uh, octopus at one restaurant, kind of down, nice. for, or I guess it was further north above uh, San Carlos where we were staying. Was it? Um, was it fried or was it served up? Uh, how was it was it? grilled was it octopus, and it was nice. like smaller octopus, but just served up, you uh-huh. know, tentacles and suckers and all. <laughs> so, nice. it, my uh, cool. My daughter even tried did, some. Did, yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask. That's why I was just she, gonna ask is if if Grace was uh, <laughs> was was with. It yeah, or not. she she did all right with it, and she was great. She nice. snorkeled really well, and there was one spot where. I thought a wave was going to catch her and kind of smash her into the rock. So I kind of grabbed her and I was trying to push her away from this little area because the water just looked too shallow for her to go over the rock. I thought she was going to get like ruined and there were all these sea uh, urchins and stuff. And so mm-hmm. uh, in the process of trying to get her clear of it, I smashed into an urchin, <laughs> like all these spines in my uh, right knee and uh, in my hand. And I still have a couple like stuck in there. I think they've, they're still uh, welted up and a little strange, but yeah. Um, mm. But I, I, I don't even know. She probably would have been just fine. I probably was panicking yeah, was... for no reason. But I kept, I kept getting worried. Like I can't lose one of my kids down here. You know, like she, she gets carried off in the surf or something. I don't or, think Heidi would. I yeah, for that would be a rough deal. One of your daughters in Mexico. Yeah. So that would I, not, that every would time not I lost fight. sight of her, and she was pretty brave. Like she just cruised off on her own and stuff. I'm like. Where's Grace? Where is she? <laughs> I'd swim yeah. over to her and she's like, Dad. We'd chill have to out. change it to uh, Reptile, You're Never Gonna Live This Down Club uh, rather than Love Club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so luckily I, I brought her home intact and she was just fine. But yeah, she had a good time. Well done. So uh, the. Did her. Did her oh, yeah. Keep oh, going. the last day we went out to Nolasco Island. Um, Mm-hmm. And it was like an hour and a half boat ride out there. And, you know, on the way out, we were seeing some good birds, a couple flying fish, stuff like that. We didn't see any dolphins. Shane said all the other trips they went mm-hmm. on down there, they've seen dolphins. So I felt a little gypped. I'm going to have to go back, I guess. But um, out at the island, like the water was crystal clear. You could see down, you know, maybe 20, 30 feet. And there was like this nice. rocky bottom. And so out in Alaska, they have a bunch of sea lions that hang out around that island and, you know, lay up on the rocks and stuff. And so, um, yeah, like you mentioned, there was a boat full of of people, um, like 30 or 40 people on the boat. And we, the three of us were the only snorkelers. And so the scuba divers all hit deeper water and went offshore a bit while we stayed around shore and had the sea lions all to ourselves, So like there were groups of probably 15, 16 sea lions swimming around us. And, and we went to three different spots on the, on the Island. And, um, it was really cool. I, and they were cool. Like I, you know, sea lions can be yeah, deep yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> they didn't bother so, us at all. I mean, they'd come up to you and maybe like cool. bark underwater and kind of scare you, you know, yeah. get, or open their yeah. mouth and kind of like try to scare you. Give you kind of the ruby, the ruby <laughs> yeah. treatment, like, like the sea ruby treatment. Yeah. At the, the last uh, dive spot, just before we were coming back, there was one female that just followed us around the whole time. And she'd like swim around and like come right up to us with her mouth open and stuff. And you'd be like, oh crap. But, and then she'd get close I tried to, you know, like pet her a couple of times, but they're just too fast and agile in the water. So, yeah. but it was a lot of fun. And it was funny because, 
you would uh, dive down under the water a bit and they would come check you out. But as soon as you kind of came up by the surface, they'd kind of keep their distance. They'd go back away. So I think they felt <laughs> superior underwater. Um, at the yeah, second site, sure. we were, we were hanging out on the, on the boat and, or kind of by the shore. And there was a couple big males kind of up on the shore and they kind of keep watching. If you get too close to the things, they, they, you know, clear the area or whatever, they'll let yeah, you know. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I was yeah. kind of going up by the rocks and, and I, I was in shallower water and, uh, it spooked a bunch of females and they, and juveniles and they all start crashing into the water. And then the bull's like, all right, that's enough. He kind of stands up and starts yeah. making his way over. I'm like, Oh crap. So I'm trying to swim away from the shore. My friends all laughing like, way to go, dude. You, you really got him riled up now. And he came, you know, barking into the water and then he swam past me, kind of gave me the side aisle dirty, you know, look <laughs> and just swam kind of by me. And then he got back out and went back to his little spot and resumed sleeping. But yeah. Uh, quite the experience. Like I've never had such an interactive mammal experience as that, you know, like just they're as curious about you as you are of them. And so they're coming up and swimming sure. around you and you're kind of swimming around them. And it, it was really cool. And the footage shows, you know, the, how close they got up and he has this 3d camera so you can see all the way around you. So, you know, he'll, sometimes he'll widen it out so you can see kind of almost behind you and in front of you kind of thing. It was, it was pretty fun. So there's some fun footage. And then the sea lions like really like the camera. So they'd come up and like mouth the camera, kind of <laughs> bite on it a little bit. And he's like, Hey, <laughs> easy there. <laughs> but yeah, one came up like four or five times, but yeah. Um, so nice. it was, it was a great trip. And then, uh, when we we're getting back on the boat after the first sight, I saw these lizards running around on the Island and, uh, had my zoom camera and zoomed in and they were the Alaska Island, uh, spiny tailed iguanas. So that was pretty sweet. Nice. Got to see a, a new species, I guess. And that's the only place where they are apparently cause it's in their name, I guess. But, uh, I guess yeah. Yeah. It, would, it would be misleading <laughs> if they were. Yeah. Tinosara noscalensis, I guess, or something like that. I'm not sure if I'm pronounce, pronouncing nice. that right, but yeah, those, I, I really like the spiny tailed iguanas, but we didn't get to go up on shore or anything. So that's, I only got a couple kind of long distance shots with my P1000. Uh, so they turned out okay, but yeah, I posted one of those to Instagram and long, Facebook. So. Long distance wanker shot. Yep. That would have been cool to not, go well, chase them a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of new fish. bird species out there too. But yeah, at nights I'd drag them around looking for herbs and we found a, well, we were driving into town and found a, um, let's see, a Sonoran whip snake. So that was pretty cool. Nice. I, all That's the cool. whip snakes, uh, you know, that group are just really cool snakes. So it was yeah. fun. It was a smaller one and he was cruising across the road, like right in the middle of traffic and we, we missed him. And, uh, so I'm like, stop the car. So I jump out and run across the street and, and he's trying to make up, like make it up this, uh, cement embankment and he can't quite get up. He wasn't tall enough. And so I was able to grab him and, and then yeah, grab him. Okay. Yeah. Put him back in the brush, your, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he didn't try to bite or anything. He's pretty chill. Just kind of let me cool. take a couple pictures. I, I tried to take some pictures in, in the bush, but didn't work out. He was gone pretty quick and, and they were like, dude, we're in the road. We got to get out of here. <laughs> so I went back to the vehicle, but yeah, that was cool to see. They're beautiful snakes. And then, uh, we saw a Dior, uh, Dior long nose snake. So not the best way to see a snake. And then, 
Um, also a couple of different toads. We saw a Sonoran uh, or a Colorado river toad and some other, I think it was red spotted toad or something else, but so a little bit of herping in there, a little, uh, uh, incidental herping, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> so when I, and some focused herping, but just not a lot of success. There was, there were quite a few things down there. I was really hoping to see a boa, uh, Sigma, but, um, didn't get that lucky, I guess. Maybe I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but, um, or they weren't close to the town we were in, <laughs> but there were records, there were INAT records down there. We just missed out. So, all right. Did Ruby settle down? <laughs> No. no. Well, so, yes, for now. No, she's going. She's still going. Still going. I don't know. I think the, this is like twilight dog walking uh, hour time uh, here. So everyone's walking, walking their dogs. So, so every, every, everybody who walks by is a peak call. Uh, yeah. Good times. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we wouldn't, came. Wouldn't be Fight Club without Ruby. <laughs> right. Uh, we came back to like uh, Phoenix where my buddy lived, stayed at his house the night. You know, so we got back Sunday and. And uh, went to, um, you know, got up in the morning kind of early and went out uh, east towards uh, Bob Ashley's place. And along the way, we went out Bob. went out and looked for uh, hognose snakes. Uh, we did find one, but it had recently been hit. And so that was not the way I wanted to find one. I was kind of bummed out. Um, we saw... And then Dustin had to post the one he found the rub it in. Yeah. Oh, Dustin found a nice one. It's an exanthic <laughs> nice uh, hog nose <laughs> out there. That's pretty uh, lucky find. I had a friend that found yeah. one of those down out there before as well. Yeah. John uh, Royland. Is that a count? I mean, is, is that, is that, uh, or, or is that kind of an, I mean, is that pretty rare or is that kind of an, uh, a, I mean, like, it's rare. Like, you know how but, reds yeah. are, you know how reds are kind of a, a, a color variation in, in coastals, yeah. like, and it's, not not uncommon, mm-hmm. you know. Like, is that is that an, an no? This is thing? a you know a simple recessive, recessive trait that's you know reasonably uncommon. But that area is known to have them, so people have found them there before, gotcha. and that's probably where my buddy found one too. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, cool looking animal. Um, I, yeah, for sure. I just I hate it when you find them dead, but <laughs> that's the it's not yeah. the best way. So I need to get out and hike well, or something, or never, get on some roads yeah. that aren't being traveled on or something. But that's definitely not the way you want to find any yeah. type of reptile when you're herping we saw, on the road. We saw a big old beautiful uh, coach whip crossing the road, just bright red, you know, making his way across the road. So that was pretty sweet. Um, we saw a checkered garter snake and um, a patch nose snake. The patch nose had been hit as well, nice. but. Yeah, some stuff was out and moving, so that was good. We stuck to the pavement because I thought the dirt roads would be too cool for the animals, but mm-hmm. Dustin found his on a dirt road, so maybe I should have been on dirt roads checking it out. What was that episode we did about conventional wisdom yep, and herping? Yep. I don't know. Yeah, that was my inexperienced conventionalism or limited experience, you know, two or three trips down there. Well, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Dustin's out, out yeah. just doing it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, and so we were herping and then I'll so the books were supposed to arrive at 2 PM at Bob's place. And so I was kind of like, it was get, I, I realized it was like, Oh, it's like almost uh, noon. And so we better think about heading down towards Bob's house. I think or Bob's place. We were about a, an hour away. So we start making our way out there and he texts me, the books are here. So I'm like, oh, sweet, let's go. <laughs> so, you know, 
picked up the pace a little bit. I pro- I'm lucky I didn't get a ticket or something, but um, so we drove down there. Uh, Grace went and checked out the museum while I uh, um, loaded up books. And you know, is that the first time she's never? Been no, there no, yeah, none of my family nice. has. That's she's the only one that's been there now. So Summer was very jealous that her older sister got to oh, go. I yeah, bet, she's dude. like, you got to oh take me there, gosh, Dad. Grace doesn't yeah. even appreciate it like I would. <laughs> So, <laughs> I get totally yeah. That yeah, so that was <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I'll need to take summer down there, and and Heidi too. I want to take mm-hmm. Heidi down there. I want to go do like a yeah. little. Uh, I think trip. I think they would. I mean, that's a cool. Like oh, yeah. you got to Bob's place is. It's awesome. pretty fun, and that area down there. It's hard yeah. to beat. You know the fun stuff you can see down there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we unfortunately we had to just load up the books and head back because it was like a. 12 10 hour drive you know and we were at two so i think we rolled into st george where kate's living uh down in the southwest corner of utah so we kind of went that way because we knew we weren't going to make it home it was 15 hours from bob's place to our door if we went the Mm -hmm. fastest route so we thought oh we'll take a little detour go over see kate um chat with her for a bit uh, we actually met Dustin. He was on his way back from work as we were passing through Phoenix, Tucson area. So we met him um, on the side of the highway or, you know, at a gas station on an exit kind of out between or That's uh, just north of Tucson. So he picked up a book. So he was, he got the first copy of the ones I picked up nice. other than Eric's, you know. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he he got a book there and then um, drove to St. George and fortunately had a very you know easy time easy drive it was just long you know we're like man when are we going to be past phoenix hit a little bit of traffic but nothing too bad and then uh rolled into st george about twelve forty-five or something and then got a bit of a night's sleep and got up and kate had gotten a flat tire the night before and so you know we she has the prius down there because she blew up her car trying to get down to St. George after a little family reunion we had. And then she, uh, so she borrowed one of our cars and then she couldn't get the Mm -hmm. tire off. And so she called AAA, I think, and they came and they couldn't get the tire off. So it took them quite a while to figure out how to get that tire off. And then, I don't know, it was a whole ordeal. So luckily we were there in the morning. We could help her go over to get a new tire, show her how to do that and help her adult a little bit. And then, um, nice. she had to go to work. So we went, just cruised home and got home. Sounds like AAA had a hard time adulting yeah. there. <laughs> we, we got home at, uh, like just before Eric, uh, we started I was just going to say just before, yeah, I basically, uh, just, just before MPR. Yeah, well, I, I stopped off. You at, were still panting a little. Yeah. yeah you were still panting I, a little. I stopped off at the university started. and got rid of the majority of the cases of books i i picked up 33 and i uh brought eight home so the rest are up at the university and i think i'm down to like six or seven at the university and eight at home so yeah yeah, i i shipped out a lot of books this week and and so now i'm in a good place except i'm leaving on vacation but if anybody wants a book in the next couple days hit me up well you're not going to hear this until friday until we're leaving but yeah so yeah, it's uh, nice to have those out, and and I've got, I've still got a couple orders that you know are are pending and should 
take up quite a few so more books. So once but. you sell the rest of these books, are you going to place another order with Bob? Or how oh, eventually, be- yeah. I think – Yeah. I mean, yeah, they went pretty quick, and I had quite a few pre-orders, yeah. which was nice, and yeah. sent a bunch of books overseas and, you know, within the U.S. And I – you know, when I – since I picked them up, I, I – uh, Oh, hold yeah. on. <laughs> Freaking hostile king. Since I uh, picked him up, I was able to save on the shipping. I think Nick, I, Nick got like one case more than I did, and it was like seven hundred bucks or something. So crazy, yeah. So I, um, I guess I saved a little bit, and it was just good timing that I was down there in the area when you know when the books arrived. So it allowed me to save that shipping. So that was nice. Yeah, and then. Uh, I had them earlier, you know, because Nick still had to wait for his to ship out. So I pretty much had all mine shipped by the time Nick got his. And then now he's in that same stage I was last week um, trying to get, you know, get things packaged up and all that kind of stuff and to the post office. I mean, I was like, and I have a post office on campus so I can just box them up in my office. So I would go in early, like a couple hours early to work box up books and then, you know, run them over once the post office open, just kind of walk them over. I'm carrying like 12 books and I'm like, you know, huffing and puffing. People are offering to help me, you know, <laughs> like you need help. I'm like, do I look that weak? I don't know. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy oh, book. So I'm, yeah. You're not a young man anymore, well, Dr. Julender. <laughs> I'm carrying 50 pounds Except of books help. across campus, <laughs> you know, like. It's all funny games until you throw your back <laughs> <Right>? out. <laughs> yeah, my back was a little off this week for sure. So I'm telling yeah, you, I'm not a young man anymore. But uh, we are not spring chickens. Yeah, one of my lab techs was walking out at the same time. He's like, "Can I help you with those?" I'm like, "Yes, please." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's good to have that kind of behind me now a little bit, and you know, I'm still getting the orders, and and I think after um, we did uh, NPR. I got a lot more orders in and, you know, people are like, are you got any more copies left? So I still do have, you know, a few copies. And so if you want to purchase one, you're welcome to just check out my website, mm-hmm. australianaddiction.com. The details there. I also put a link up for the posters. So um, if anybody's interested in a poster, they find the link there, see a picture of it, purchase it if you'd like. I've got a few... Uh, posters left on hand and some shipping tubes so i can ship you some but yeah so that's kind of been my uh what's going on with me how about you that's busy. yeah it's been that's crazy busy. i don't know like and then now we're leaving again so you know i gotta get gear up for the next trip <laughs> so yeah i i i don't have my my life is not as i mean i've, I've got so my air conditioning unit they finally came today and i'm finally getting that installed so that'll be great <laughs> now that so it's cooling I'll have down air conditioning just in time <laughs> yeah. for winter yeah that, that's awesome so it was good for the guys who had to get up into my attic yeah. space it's not a thousand oh, degrees God. up there where they're putting in the air handler but but uh you know kind of kind of nice to close that loop a little yeah. bit uh and then uh, I talked to Tony Doyer. So I ended up, remember I was trying to get cages yeah. for the, for all the Tracy A that I'm growing up and, and uh, you know, Tony, Tony messaged me and it's like, Hey dude, I don't know if you want to, um, if you're interested or not, 
Um, but you know, I have an order in with AP if you want to jump in on it. And so he was, he, yeah, he totally, totally clutch. And that's cool. Um, so those are those, he, he just messaged me today that those are <laughs> shipping. So nice. had to drive up, drive up probably, I don't know, next week or something sometime and, and pick those up. Mm-hmm. So eight, eight new AP cages coming. So that, that's, that's cool. Um, what size did you get? Have that. Uh, I did four, I think I did four by four by 24 by 18 mm-hmm. talls. I think it, it was a, it was a space yeah. thing. It was, I would have liked to have gone a little taller, but it, it, it's just what would fit in the area that I had. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm a little bit, Oh know, yeah, a little bit limited. Are you going to do so. uh, like roof hides or things like that? Yeah, I'll probably put, I'll probably put some in. Um, I, I, I kind of. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I'll probably do some, uh, probably just like buy the plastics from, uh, San Diego plastics and, and build them myself mm-hmm. and then something that can just modularly go in there. Um, but yeah, so just wanted to get the cages. I'm right at the point now where, you know, all the, the 2019 animals are really ready for new mm-hmm. enclosures and, and all the, the 2020 animals are ready for their the enclosures, the, uh, the, the 2019. Yeah. So it's, everybody's ready to jump. So it was like super clutch that Tony's like, the, 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 the timing was pretty perfect. Like it allowed me to feed up those older animals and, and uh, you know, they're about, they're about size to, to switch cages now. So it, it couldn't have worked out better. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And, uh, just starting to really throw food at, at the Tracy mm-hmm. again, uh, for this season. And, and, uh, let's see what else has been going oh, on. Tony's a cool guy. That's, that's nice. Yeah, he is, man. <laughs> just, yeah, he, yeah. he totally like, I mean, everybody re- honestly, like when I had asked about, uh, cages, everybody kind of came out of the woodwork and, and, uh, you know, offered. So I was, I really am appreciative of everybody who reached out. Yeah. Um, but it just happened to, to work out that I, I, you know, I hate the weight, but I really do like AP cages mm-hmm. and they do a, a good job with those cages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of what I'm familiar with. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an old man. I stick <laughs> to what I know. So. And having that, uh, San Diego plastics or whatever down there, I bet I order from, what is it? California plastics. Um, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a, there's a San Diego plastics and I think there's a, I don't want to say it's like a U.S. plastics uh, or there's another plastics company right down here, but but San Diego Plastics is like it's in it's in, it's right on the border of National City and Chula okay. Vista, right by the right five. By, yeah. So it's like can you pick it's, stuff it's up not there? Far then? at all? You just go? Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. You Gosh. can go. I mean, they've got like you know any kind of plastic you yeah. want. Like, um, so you know it's not not the cheapest like obviously like all these these plastics cage manufacturers are getting good deal on their on their uh their 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 foam pvc by buying in such big yeah but but i mean if you know it it, you know it's it's kind of if you didn't want to have to do it in plywood which Mm. is probably just about as expensive if not more expensive (laughs) depending on what you're getting yeah yeah so um yeah, so it's been, you know, kind of excited about that. Um, yeah, just I don't know, some some crazy doctor sent me a couple of books and <laughs> and uh, I got a I got an awesome t-shirt. Um, 
Looks like looks like you need to do some more t-shirts. I man. know. Uh, I, yeah. It's, well, give me a minute before. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm move sorry. On. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 it's funny because I've I've had them for for a long time, and I still yeah. have quite a few yeah. of them. So it's like they're not flying off the you know at the shows or whatever well you're not a you're not I'm a man not, of marketing I am not a like marketing you know, man. I, mean, I thought they're such yeah, i thought I'm, they were so cool they just sell themselves kind of thing they are cool. I, I really they're like super them cool. anyway yeah. yeah they're fun i i well everybody else likes them yeah. too <laughs> yeah i guess it's yeah. just like one of those things i mean there's reptile people like to spend their money on reptiles you know as evidenced by yeah. keeping in you know Less than ILD, yeah, but, ideal but, cage. But you know what, man? I don't, they do like t-shirts I mean, usually. I, I need to just yeah, give them I mean, to people who buy stuff from me. That's what I need to do. That would I just be a, forget, be like, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it was meant as, is like a bonus for somebody who bought stuff. And I've I've given a few away to people who buy stuff. What day's a good day to ship and what's your exactly, shirt Exactly, yeah. But sometimes <laughs> it's hard. Like, yeah, I got to sh- ship them separately or something, you know. So I, I bought yeah. a bunch of Mylar yeah. thing, or not Mylar, but like just plastic shippers, you know, that I could just throw a t-shirt mm-hmm. in and slap a label on it and go but i just need to remember to do it <laughs> if you yeah. buy something from me yeah. remind me you want a shirt and tell me what size you wear and i'll Give me send you send you something along with your animal um well we probably should could uh, you be twisted could i twist your arm into coming out to pomona in january is I, that possible I, I or that, are you yeah I, i'm doing this i'm doing this very publicly <laughs> yeah no so that's I can get this good on. i want it on record i want it on. <laughs> i record. would like to do that i um let's look into yeah. it see like exactly okay. when and see what's going on with yeah. work and stuff i think it's the seventh oh, the so seventh really, really. and eighth so that, might, that yeah, could be a treacherous like right drive after. for me <laughs> through through utah but um yeah, it should should work out. I wouldn't mind getting somewhere a little warmer. <laughs> but, yeah. So I mean, I'd split the cost mm-hmm. with you, so you know, it wouldn't be like you'd be eating. Yeah, eating a whole table. And I haven't done a, a California show in in a while, so that'd be good. Yeah, to, I haven't um, been to Pomona in a couple. Of, I think the last time I went to Pomona was I with you? Probably. Yeah, that's the was last I? time I did it. I think we vended together, yeah. or maybe it was San Diego. Or, no, it was Pomona. Well, no, San it was Diego. Pomona. Was, yeah, well, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever vended San Diego. Yeah, I don't. It was Pomona. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah that was a good show. Yeah. That was fun. Um, yeah, we can need to make that happen. Yeah, if you want to set it up, I'll I'll drive down and vend with you. That sounds really nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. You heard it. You heard it. Yep. Holding him to it. Holding him to it. This is what I got to do. I invite <laughs> myself on her trips on this. This is my this is my forum for participation. I appreciate it. No, I, I rope yeah, I rope you into things and I invite myself on Heck things. Yeah. Like this is this is my uh It's kind of it's kind of what I do too. <laughs> like I've always yeah, done that too. Hey. Yeah. I wanna, yeah. Yeah. Well, you think it's time to fight? We can do that. Okay. Well, with the yeah, today we're yeah we had a lot to catch up on, I suppose. <laughs> um, mm, I feel like that's talking true. about publications. So Chuck and I were just having a conversation and talking about different papers that came out and stuff, and we're thinking, you know, um, sometimes papers can be very valuable for learning things, and other times they can maybe even be a misleading thing where people take too much from them and and hold them in too high regard or, or take them too seriously. I don't How do you want to say that? But so we're going to fight about that today. Um, so we'll, yeah. uh, I guess weigh the pros and cons of, of using data from reptile publications. 
Does that sound like a I reasonable like way to state it? Sure. All sure. right. Well, let's uh, toss the old coin, see what side we get. Go ahead and call it. Tails. It's heads. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Okay. Guess, yeah. Well. Um. I'm going to go with the pro that it's, you know, that herpetological publications have good material that can uh, move us forward in our keeping and understanding of these things. Okay. So, of course, with any topic, there's lots of, uh, you know, pros and cons or, or things to consider. Hills and valleys. Hills and valleys, hills and valleys. So um, we'll go over those today. So I, I'm going to go ahead and pull a chuck and let you go first. So, All right. Go ahead so, and lead out. Okay, hold on. So, so, so my whole thing is that they're, they can be. The okay, limitations are, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I think uh, obviously, you know, in any publication, it's only as good as the science that's that's put into it. And sometimes, you know, depending upon, you know, any type of data you, you, you have, or you, you create, or you, you know, you gather, uh, it's all how you process that data and how you, you know, how you kind of look at it and interpret Mm -hmm. it and how you put it out because, you know, any data can be misinterpreted and put out incorrectly, uh, and, lead somebody down the path of perhaps the wrong conclusions or even, you know, having um, biases in your, you know, in your interpretation of data can sometimes be a pitfall. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge, huge thing uh, for, you know, researchers and people who publish data uh, and, and papers to really, really, be careful that they're not subject to biasing biases biases in their data. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, that's exactly why they have peer reviews and, and, you know, why you have, you know, third party experts or third party, you know, um, reviewers look at this stuff so that you're, you know, not publishing something that, that potentially could, you know, mislead your reader and, and make you look like an ass to the, to, to the, uh, you know, your fellow, um, researchers or whatever. So, you know, I think yeah. that's probably where I would lead out as like kind of the big overarching statement of why you have to be really careful, uh, when it comes to publications, um, of any kind. And I mean, I think, you know, in, 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 in even in non-scientific type publications, you have to be a critical reader. You have to, you know, gather data from multiple sources and be a critical thinker and, and, you know, kind of understand kind of what you're, you know, and, and some of that's a a process and some of that is, you know, you can be, you know, it's a, uh, an evolution. You can be led to the wrong path to figure out, wait, that's, that's not right. And to later, you know, um, kind of understand when you kind of gather data from, from multiple or better sources, you know? So, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely a, um, it's not a, an easy, um, thing, but, but I, I, you know, I, I do think that well gathered scientific, research is probably one of our best um points of of you know i mean i, I clearly think that the reproduce the scientific method and the reproduction of science science uh in 
you know, under the scientific method is probably our strongest form of, of, uh, um, you know, of gathering real data and real information that is, is, you know, Mm -hmm. um, helpful. Um, but you know, Ah, that's a strong, and I'm thinking, man, I should have taken the con because there's a lot of good, good insights maybe from being in the, you know, in, in, uh, academia and publishing quite a bit. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that, uh, peer review is one of the best things that we have going for us as far as scientific literature. At least it has to go through the hands of two or three or four, you know, people that, uh, critically review it, looking for things that, uh, you know, could be off or that could raise alarms, looking for plagiarism, looking for all those kind of things, um, looking to see that their statistical analyses are, are reasonable for what they're doing and, and that they're not over interpreting things. And so, um, I've, you know, I've reviewed many papers and, and articles in, in my field. And so, you know, but sometimes it's like uh, another thing to your list and you just try to get through it quick and, you know, but, and, and also, uh, some reviewers can be too critical and just like hammer a paper, even though it's, uh, you know, a good paper and has important data. So I try to facilitate, you know, to make sure that I, I raise concerns about things that maybe be, might be, you know, um, misinterpreted or overinterpreted or overstated. Um, look for, you know, other uh, issues like that, but you know, that's, that's kind of the gatekeeper to, to having good data published. Um, you also, I, may, many people may not know that there's like a tiered system. You have, um, different levels of journals that you can shoot for. You know, you have some like, mm-hmm. um, you know, low level journal that does not have much of an impact factor. So impact factor is a rating system that they use to kind of demonstrate, you know, the quality of the journal, the, the impact of the articles that are published in that journal, how much, how many people that read them and, and how impactful they are in, in the scientific literature. And so if you, you know, you'll have some journals that have a 20, you know, or a 30 impact, you know, a very high impact factor, 25 or 24, I think you're kind of the, the highest level, or I, I don't know what it goes to, but it's up in the 20s, thir- maybe 30 or something is the highest. And then you have some that have like 0. 0.5. <laughs> so, you know, oh, you wow. have a big, big difference. Now, a lot of the journals I publish in are, are, you know, maybe between five and 10, you know, they're usually around five. If I have a really good paper, I'll try to submit it to one that has a little bit higher. And I've gotten a couple co-authored papers into the, you know, 20 level journals, some of the really good journals. So, you know, like cell or science or things like that, those are kind of the upper, mm-hmm. you know, division <laughs> journals. So, um, the, if you read an article on that, you know, that it's gone through the ringer and that they just don't let mm-hmm. anything through, you know? So, um, you know, there's differences in quality of journals and, and the, um, how stringent they are in their reviews and how hard they hit, you know, when they're doing their reviews. So, um, I review for journals that are in the five and six range, you know, so they're kind of good journals, but not, you know, the Mm -hmm. pinnacle journals, I guess. And, and, you know, it's, it, it depends on the, um, area you're in. I, I don't know, like for some of the herpetological publications, but anyway, I mean, you kind of brought this up, so I'm just, uh, 
fleshing that out a little bit, but peer review mm -hmm. really helps to improve the quality. And you don't have that with like care sheets online or reptiles yeah. magazine articles. I mean, I'll read some of these reptiles magazine articles and they're just complete trash and others, you know, are pretty good and they're not bad, but some are just garbage. You're reading them going, well, do, they, and, and do some, these people and, even know what they're doing with these things? You know, it's crazy. Some, some articles that get posted are not, they're not, I would not consider them scientific. Yeah, research. no, they're more of like you know they're they're more of a they're more of a professional care sheet. You yeah. know, more of a you know uh, or or a care sheet that's been done under more zoological type conditions or something mm -hmm. like that, where where they're they're almost giving a, like a, a more of a species plan to or a, 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 what do they call the 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 husbandry? Uh, yeah. The, Herpetoculture. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's, there's a section in the journal, um, Herpetological Review, that is for herpetoculture. You know, they have a section yeah. on that. Uh, and that's another maybe point I can make really quickly is that you have different kinds of articles, too. There's some, like, that are review articles that just basically sum up the known literature and and kind of put it together covering one aspect of, of an area of science. You know, like, they could cover skinks that you know practice uh you know grouping you know <laughs> live in family groups or something i've seen you know seen that article mm -hmm. and it's it's a really cool article it just talks about all the published information regarding that subject and so those review articles are actually very handy because it gives you a lot of information in in kind of a, a small uh, amount of pages so and i mean some of them are pretty long but you know so review articles just summarize the published data you can have um a you know full research article where they've controlled their studies and you know and balanced them out you can have like an ecological study where they're just observing what's in the environment and what animals are present and what they're doing in their environment or what their gut contents are and things like that you know so those can be helpful to get a glimpse into what's going on with the animals but they're not there's no like uh, not really any kind of statistical analysis needed you know it's not like they're right. you know trying to discover something new other than like what an animal's eating or what it's doing in the wild then you have things that might be like case reports where you know like you maybe you're talking about where you get a um talk about what what you did you know what species you bred in a zoo and what you did to get that result and that may not be the mm -hmm. the best way or the worst way or you know that's just kind of the way they did it it's just an account yeah, yeah it's kind of more of an uh -huh. account of, of something rather than uh and and i would say those are like good jumping off points for you know, mm -hmm. if you're looking into that species, that's a really good place to start. But don't take it as like, this is the only way to do it. This is the, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to. Well, and I, uh, I think, well, I think that's a tough, that's a tough part too, because especially if you're, if, if a zoo publishes something because they did something that's like, you know, hasn't been done or is, is, is difficult to do or, or whatever, you know, hey, if not a lot of people have done it, and you're the only person who's published on it, where does everybody go, you know, to, to, to figure something out? What if it's, if it's poorly accounted and, and you're, you know, your publication is the only one that really talks about it, then I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you're like the, the source, whether it's like, you know, a scientific publication or, 
you know, a, a high end journal or, or a low end, like you're the only, yeah. you're it, yeah. you know what I mean? So in, in that sense, it's kind of like, man, what, you know, how, how do you think about that? Is there definitely pitfalls from that or benefits mm-hmm. from that? And I mean, you know, it, it can, it can kind of, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think there's, 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 I think a lot of times people read something that hasn't been done and they think that's the way you do it. And I, I think, I think the reality of stuff is, is like, that's how they did it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think the, the phrase more than one way to skin the cat comes <laughs> to mind when I think about, yeah. you know, that, that kind of stuff. And, and well, that's, uh, that's kind of you know, uh, relevant to maybe to right now where we just had an article, uh, they, they had an article published in her logical review by, was it Blake? Bauer that was uh oh the Tracy, Tracy paper Tracy yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah what did you think I of saw, that I like saw, did you read it or, I, I yeah did it I did match read your it um, kind of methods or what do you think well uh, so, you know so I mean I I don't I don't think that they're doing any they were doing anything really you know extreme from keeping other Somalia or other like type uh pythons mm-hmm. Um, but like the enclosures that they kept the animals in were much bigger than the enclosures I mm-hmm. had. Uh, they well, fed a, zoo, a so little, makes, you know, yeah, yeah, understandable. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> and, and, and then some of like their methodology changed, uh, to where, um, you know, how they, you know, how they treated, um, I think I think they they had had some issues around they had they did maternal incubation and then had a failure with artificial incubation mm-hmm. um and so you know um obviously like they had uh changed some things and I I mean I guess reading it you know none nothing in there yeah, I I guess I, I don't know. I don't know but how they to have say it. Like, two, but it, it's two like, males. I'm not, right? I'm not like kind of like you're yeah, doing yeah. it. But then they pulled one of the yeah, males, so, and then they were. But doing they weren't. Inter- yeah, but they weren't. They weren't leaving their males yeah. in there. Uh, they had. They had done. They had done some. Well, it looks like they pulled one uh, and then put it back, and then there was some, you know, lacerations on the animal or something. Yeah, like. I, I, I kind of didn't. I kind of didn't understand that because they had never witnessed any yeah. male combat, and and how how one of those animals got cut up was not like, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I, was that what it was from? Yeah. Was from they, the other, they made the point the to say animal, that they, or, they had you, seen you know, them bite each other in feeding responses. So it could have yeah. just been I a mean, misguided it, but, feeding response too. Yeah. And if you're feeding, if you're feeding, you know, scrub pythons together, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> That'll risk. happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, for yeah. sure. So, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I guess, my thing is, yeah, um, scrub pythons don't combat each other. And that was, you know, kind of stated, but not explicitly state, you know, stated in the, they had said they just didn't witness it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then kind of made it sound like, um, maybe, you know, that they, they had some aggression to each other or, or whatever, but, and, and some of the, the, their observations around, um, you know, how the males interacted with the females and other males, um, post pre and pre and post ovulation were pretty dead on to what I've seen. I think that was really very, you know, very much, you know, you, you knew, you knew the female was gravid because she'd get really, really dark and she'd swell and she just looked, she looked gravid. Um, 
And I, so, you know, I, I think there was some stuff in there that was great, but you know, there was other things that like they did, uh, at, you know, uh, husbandry wise that I just, you know, I, it was a little different than when I did and, and they had success. I had success. So like, there's part of it there where I felt like, yeah, some of this is like, I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. I got, Oh, that, no, not that. Oh no, no, not that. So there's part of me that's like, you know, I, I see the way it can be helpful, but at the same time, like if somebody was reading that and being like, oh, their enclosure dimensions were this, this, and this, and think this is the way you have to do it. Well, I did it in much, much smaller enclosures. So it's like, you know, I think, I think it was, I think it's great. I'm glad Blake, Blake got that published and, I, and, you know, they, they absolutely should publish that as the first. And, and, you know, I just don't feel comfortable publishing, um, my stuff yet. I, I, I kind of wanted to have a third success and I haven't had a third success. And, um, so, you know, I, I, um, but, but again, like, you know, here's, here's, uh, here's a zoo and, and Blake having success, uh, their way. Here's me having success my way. I guarantee you that Shane is doing it a little bit different. And I, and the guy over in Europe, uh, who, who, who bred the same year I did uh, was probably doing it a little bit different as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, you know, I, I think like, you know, it it takes me all back to is Python reproductive husbandry all that much different? Well, you know, in, in some very minor ways, yes, but you know, every single one of us is in different parts of the country and we all had success uh, and, you know, we don't all have the same conditions. Our rooms are not the same conditions. Our enclosures are not the same. You know, I, I guarantee the way we feed is not always the same. And it didn't even sound like the way they managed those animals year to year was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think it goes to your point of, like, plasticity and reproduction, um, and so to me, it's, it's like less about like the formula. You got to have the formula. This is the, this is the one, two, three, check these boxes way to do it. And more a way of like, Hey, you know, you know, student of the serpent consistency, um, and then trying to be reproducible in that, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think when I changed enclosures, you know, either those animals went two years in a row and said, we need a break or, you know, changing something made a difference or both. Yeah. Never not, not going to really know. I mean, we'll see, but, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm bumbling on now, but, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, some of that was, was super on point and super like, yep. 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 But, but I feel like some of that also keeps with other scrub pythons that I've kept. They get, you know, you can, you can watch males as they cycle through their reproductive cycle, get very, very dark in and their dorsal. And then they, and then they lighten back up a little bit, but, but never seem to lighten up quite as much as they do after their first reaper, you know, after the first sexually active cycle, mm-hmm. um, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. like there's just there's certain commonalities, I think, that are there. And, and um, I think you can draw good insights from it. But I think my, my thing would be that there's definitely like if you were to take something somebody wrote other than just their account, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you, you definitely might set yourself up for chasing your tail a little bit. Uh, if, if you're trying to reproduce something somebody did under completely different environmental, you know, conditions than you have, you know, now you're trying to do something that's very, you know, unnatural. Whereas I think, you know, I, I kept steady climates and, and my animals really from year to year, from season to season, they were like, yep, I know what's happening yeah. here. I got this. Okay, cool. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To me, that's more important than to be checking the boxes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of ways it can be done, but, you know, to, and so that's, I guess that's the point of this discussion is that it's, uh, you know, you, you've got to take th- these kind of things with a grain of salt and know that, you know, there's other ways to potentially do this. And so you can't just say, oh, this is the way we breed Tracy. Eh? <laughs> Got to follow, follow this publication exactly, you know, how they did it and stuff. So yeah, that's uh kind of a trick, I guess. But so, yeah, I, um, so some more pros I think is, is that, you know, academics are funded usually to run the studies. And so they have those, um, the means to, uh, run a well-controlled study. They can, you know, house things, uh, ethically, I guess, although, you know, that may, may not be completely, uh, the case all the times, you know, (laughs) um, I, our herpetology group was keeping a carpet python. I looked in and they had like it in a glass aquarium with a screen top and a, and a uh, light on top, and it was having shedding issues. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. The complete carpet python's over in the library. You can check it out and read up on these things. <laughs> so sometimes you wonder, like, um, and, and I mean. Does that give you a level of satisfaction? To I don't know, because, like, that? Rick Shine. <laughs> it's in the library. What are you <laughs> yeah. doing? Rick Shine did uh, say that, you know, he, he could study reptiles all the time, but he didn't really do the best job at keeping them in boxes. And so, you know. I, you know, there's different, and, and I think a lot of academics kind of look down on herpers because they're like, ah, they're just keeping snakes in boxes and making morphs and things like that. So I think that's when we generalize, you know, we don't, we don't do, do very well, I think in, with generalizations, but, um, so yeah, I'm probably being too, uh, critical. <laughs> they, I'm sure they do a great job at keeping their study species happy and healthy, but it's hard. It's hard to study a, a dead reptile. So hopefully they keep them keep them to the highest standards possible. Well, and I mean, not every reptile is easy to keep in captivity. Some just don't do very well. So you can be a very talented keeper and still have a hard time mm-hmm. just because it's not an easy species yeah, to keep. For so sure. you know, I mean, you're you're a lot of times fighting. You know things that maybe aren't in, always in your control as much as you'd like to think they yeah. are. I think, and uh, so, you know, with those means, they can set them up the way they need to be set up. They can test different experimental, you know, conditions in, in the lab or in the field. Um, they have different instrumentation to measure things that, you know, the average herper wouldn't have access to. And so they can, I you know, generate data or, or gather data um, that a typical herper would have a hard time gathering. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of, you know, I, I really, uh, liked the, a lot of the studies that came out of Dale Donardo's lab and 
maybe sometime we ought to get him on here if he'll come on and chat with us. That'd, That'd be, be cool. Neat, but yeah. He did a lot of great studies with uh, children's pythons as a model species because, you know, they could, uh, looking at maternal care and things of reptiles. Because they're bulletproof. Yeah, he did, he did really well with them. He produced a lot of children's pythons. I actually yeah. met a... Um, a PhD student that's up at, or maybe she's a postdoc, but she's up at the university, up at Utah State University. And I was vending a show down in Salt Lake and she came by the table and she's like, yeah, I'm doing research. And, and I'm like, oh, what lab are you in? She's like, oh, up, up at Utah State. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm in the building next to you. I'm like, I, we should, I need to come over and check out things over there. And she's like, yeah, anytime. So I need to hit her, hit her up and go tour the lab or something, see what's going on, what kind yeah. of research they're doing but um i've t- i i've had you know some ins there in the past but i just yeah haven't made it over there too often or visited with them much so i need to see if i can make some inroads you know, i need to go rub <laughs> elbows <laughs> justin you know what i'm yeah. saying go go hobnob <laughs> with the hurt with the hurt people and there's been some really good studies that have been up at, done up at Utah State, mainly with the like tetrodotoxin and and the newts and kind of yeah. the way that the Thamnophis, the garter snakes, could feed on toxic newts and not die. <laughs> so um, there's like this arms race and a little. Uh, they identified the channel or or the oh, what was it like an ion channel or something that allowed them to detoxify, I guess, once they ate their toxic meal or something. I can't remember all the details, but yeah, there's lots of papers published by uh, Brody and his lab, you know, Dr. Brody. So um, good stuff. But so, you know, having those, having the funds to, to run well-controlled and uh, studies that could use lots of different uh, technology um, can be a good thing and can generate a lot of Mm -hmm. useful information. What about what about like the pressure to publish? You feel like that that could uh, be a, a detractor. I I kind of feel like you know once you if you you know as a researcher or somebody mm-hmm. who you know is is um, I mean a lot of your credibility comes from you know in some in some fields you have to publish to be credible. Well, right? yeah, like it's part of the job. You know, if you're <laughs> not publishing work, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're not publishing work, then who? Who yeah. are you? I've never heard of you. Blah blah the, blah, and 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 you hear so much about um, you know publications that later come back to be you know hey this was not uh, on board or you know the high the, enough impact come to find out the 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 data was uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not a complete data set mm-hmm. uh, you know I think I think uh, I I think I remember. Um, uh, was it uh, was it Johnson? It was one of the the the, co- the SARS two COVID vaccines. They got you know some criticism because they wanted to limit the size of their data set because it made their it made their effectiveness effectiveness look better. Mm. And so like obviously in a in a situation where you can make more money if there's a profit model mm. to it, but but I'm, I'm I think I'm speaking more towards like you know, just the pressure to publish. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be relevant, the the statement, uh, the issues that that the statement publish or perish is a real thing in academia, you know, if you, and, and that goes hand in hand with, uh, with obtaining grants. And so a lot of times you have to chase, 
um, funding, you know, and, and, and kind of go research topics that, uh, are, are interesting to the funding agencies, you know, not necessarily to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times they'll, they'll use model organisms, kind of like we were saying with the children's pythons and things, but, um, you know, they could use those to show, uh, maternal care in, in an ectotherm kind of thing. So they're applying it maybe more broadly than, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah, you're limited. And, and a lot of times it's very hard to get funding to obtain any funding. And so, you know, that's, that's another challenge. And a lot of people, you know, I know people who've been at really great institutions, but they didn't get enough funding or didn't publish enough. And so they had to go find another job. They didn't make tenure. And so, you know, kind of the same thing as the journals is also you have higher tier, you know, institutions like Harvard or, you know, the Ivy League schools, that kind of thing. Um, not necessarily that better research comes from those places, but they have a, a very high standard for their researchers. Mm-hmm. And if they're not obtaining funding and they're not publishing enough, then usually they don't last very long there. So, what those high standards are are they equate to pressure? Oh yeah, right? I mean, you, tremendous you as pressure. A researcher have a huge amount mm-hmm. of pressure on you to to you know publish yeah. or perish, as you said. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I I think my concern would be you know some of the and you know I mean I guess maybe the the uh, the pressure to to perform is something that's maybe good in 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 small doses for everybody, yeah. but, but, you know, you could see, you could easily see how, um, you know, uh, somebody might misconstrue data or misconstrue something because they're trying to get, you know, get data to say something that they want to help, you know, prove a point or, you know, and, and, and I'm not even talking about a researcher doing that maliciously. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, you know, your unconscious biases will lead you to a path, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if, if there's multiple ways you can look at the data and, you know, you brought up the children's Python paper and, and, you know, another thing that comes to my mind is you, you'd send that to me and I was like looking at it, you know, I, I I'm, the the I'm, reclassification I'm, 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 or, or lumping yes, everything yes, under children eye except for spotted yes. yeah, all the stems. Yeah. And, so, yeah. I, you know, I can read abstracts no problem, and I was very clear about that when I when I started like getting into you know a lot of how they're interpreting their their um, their DNA stuff, and like that's when I was kind of like, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't see like, you know, there's nothing in there. And, and, you know, part of it is probably because I just spent, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes looking at it. And I was kind of reading and looking at the graphs and kind of like, okay, okay. Well, you know what? Uh, Maybe they're right because I don't know how to read that stuff. And Mm -hmm. maybe they're wrong because I don't know how to read that stuff. Right. So I think, you know, I mean, when a lay person reads something scientific and a researcher says, this is the way it is because that's what the data says. And you don't know how to read the data well enough to be like, uh, I, I, I agree with this part, but not that mm-hmm. part, but I see this, but I don't see yeah. that. You know, when you can't see that, then what are you left doing? You're saying, well, yeah, I mean, I guess the data looks pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I think that's yeah. what yeah, I'll, I'll most that. people do. And, and, you know, I, I think you're right. That can definitely be a con if they're, 
um, you know, trying to name a new species. And so they're going to really work that data to show that, you know, there is a new species or something and, 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 uh, they want to do something controversial. So they'll, you know, like show that there isn't, you know, that all these are lumped into one or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know what their motivations were or if they had any ulterior mm-hmm. motives and we can assign all that kind of stuff all we want, but, you know, I guess it comes down to the, the, um, species model that they use and their interpretation of data and their interpretation of what a species is. And so, you know, their conclusions led to that organization. I mean, it's, you know, at at an abstract level, they were very willing to draw lines in certain places, but in other places where maybe there's some questionable lines, they were like, Nope, 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 no, uh, no, no line to be drawn here. This is all children. <laughs> yeah, but you see right like here, you know, different so, structure yeah. within there. So, and, and I guess I've never understood like this, there was a knobtail paper that was just published and they named a new species. Uh, they split Asper into two species. Um, oh, now I can't think of the, the name. It's like, oh man, Megalodon or <laughs> <laughs> what what is it? Dang it! Oh well. Anyway, I'll, I'll it'll come to me. Uh, but uh, you know we <laughs> that'll be our that'll be my closing. You'll just blurt it out of the yeah. closing. <laughs> you know you know there's um, there's they they did some nice research and they you know they showed there's biogeographical barriers they showed there's genetic differences they showed there's phenotypic differences and so you know i think they did they made a good argument to show that there is uh, a, a separate or distinct species there um they they had some data that would maybe suggest there's even more you know splits that could be made within nefurus and so you know that's they they didn't go that far. So I guess to me that kind of suggests, okay, we're, we're, we're doing the work. We're doing our due diligence, you know, or I, I didn't get that sense when I'm reading that Antaresia paper, I got the sense that, you know, they had a very limited sampling, but, but of the spotted pythons, but that was enough Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, these are, these are distinct species. So I just, I don't know. It was a little tough to, to take. And maybe it's just because I, uh, didn't, really you know agree with their conclusions so it's kind of makes that that difficult but i don't know what do you do but a lot of your issues with those conclusions are what based on on phenotypical differences that you see and i mean and it's not a professional looking i'm not a taxonomist so yeah obviously sure they they, uh know better than i do in that regard but but again i mean that paper was not I mean that paper didn't address scale counts and and phenotypical differences. They, they integrated that into their analysis somehow, I believe. Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I, okay. It, it was I a little embedded, I, I, I think, part, in there. But, but you know, obviously, it'd be nice to get the authors on here and kind of discuss these questions or you know concerns that we have about this whole thing and you know and were they are they just gene jockeys have they ever seen them in the wild have they seen them you know in in life or gone out and caught them or something um the name of the nefarious uh um oh my gosh i i love that kind of thing it's kind of a weird name but um (laughs) it's it's 
it, it's reverting back to its Pleistocene <laughs> taxonomy. Exactly. That was for Nick Munn. <laughs> yeah, he likes that Pleistocene era, doesn't he? Oh, that's his favorite. That's his favorite time. Yeah. He's always talking about back in the Pleistocene. Aeromanga. The Aeromanga. Yeah, the Aeromanga um, spiny knob, uh, knobtail gecko. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's the. Uh, Amy, I Aeromanga Basin Knobtail Gecko. That's what they're calling it. So that's huh. the common name. So it's Nefurus Aeromanga. Uh, anyway, sorry. I had to look it up. I couldn't remember it. Aeromanga. I'm going to have to repeat that like so they split times. it into a whole other uh whole other species. yeah so there was the the this big black soil plain in between the east and the west populations of asper and there so there was kind of a gap in the distribution that the ones to the west mm-hmm. look a little more reddish colored they have you know the ones in the east have variable patterning but they usually don't show that kind of reddish uh look to them and so they almost look like a cross between an asper and an amia you know the centralian versus the the coastal uh spiny knobtail um so these you know that i think it's been known for a while to to herpers that there's a difference and that you find these larger um redder uh spiny knobtails you know inland and so it wasn't a big surprise to some of the Australian guys that know their knobtails. I'm trying to think if we included mm-hmm. this in the book. I think we talked about maybe mostly about the uh, uh, Cape York specimens, the banded you know knobtails that look. Mm-hmm. But there's some banded knobtails kind of from south of the. But there there was some data that showed that there that those there could be other splits, and that's what I was talking about. So there is some distinction of the stuff way up the Cape as well as at the bottom of the Cape compared to the stuff that's further South. So, you know, it's a big range and there's gaps and, and so things have time to kind of be in isolation and speciate. And then all of this is, God, it almost sounds like the East coast of carpet pipes. <laughs> pretty much, you know, it's similar, <laughs> similar lines can be drawn. I guess maybe the black soil plains, I don't know if they would stop a carpet, but I imagine they probably would. They'd be a little harder for a carpet to, navigate across that so you might have a similar uh break or something and that probably that probably separates the coastals or the cheney eye from from the whatever the desert <laughs> inlands are the 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 super inlands <laughs> the the gammons and flinders super range inlands, yeah. uh, uh, animals that super inlands <laughs> so I don't know. Like cool stuff. God, that's going to be the next morph. They're going <laughs> to see gammons. They're going to be like, no, those are super inlands. <laughs> the super, that's a super form <sighs> of metcalfi. Let's, let's not go there. Yeah, I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know. You the, started. Just the, remember, you said it. You started <laughs> the whole thing. I, I do think, I mean, I think this uh, this paper, and it's by, um, it's called Pleistocene Vicariance across arid Australia in the spiny knobtail geckos, Nefaris asper group, with the description of a new species from western Queensland. And this is by Oliver Donnell and Donnellan and Gunn. So, um, that was just published, like just barely, but you can access the whole article online. So it's kind of cool, but I, I think it was a well done paper. And I think, you know, this is a great example of, of the way taxonomy is done these days. You know, you find genetic morphological and, um, distribution differences. Um, if, uh, uh biogeographical barriers involved, all the better, you know, and that's kind of what we did. Not the, 
Well, we did do a little genetic work in the carpet book mm-hmm. with, uh, yeah. with Dr. Warren Booth. So, um, you know, we tried to show those uh, differences in, in genotype as well as phenotype and um, distribution. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what people think after they have a uh, time to read the book and look at our reasoning and see if they agree with what we said. And that's the beauty of science, too, is you don't necessarily have to agree with what's what comes out. But I guess it's kind of on a little bit on you to prove that wrong or show it's different, you know? So, and that becomes the trick is, you know, where where I'm not a taxonomist, I can't really say, oh, the children's Python paper or, you know, the taxonomy paper was bad. And so, because, I mean, I don't, I don't think in that children's Python paper, you're arguing with the genetic, uh, you know, findings there. I think you're just arguing with how they're, how they're. You know how their 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 taxonomic model for arriving at that is 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 you know strictly genomic. You know, I mean, if that's the case, then you know, is it, is is it reasonable to say that we need to have a you know completely redo taxonomy at a genome genomic level so everything is you know on the same page? But you know, stuff that was originally taxified, taxonified, taxonified. Ta- <laughs> taxonomically designated thank (laughs) you jesus i couldn't even say it uh what you know it was originally more done phenotypically and and you know uh Mm -hmm. and you know scale counts and things like that and now you know you're looking at genes and and, you know so it's like i don't know it's it's interesting too because you know you think that um, like the genetics would be the end all be all, but I don't think it's that magic bullet that they, cause initially no. everybody was just sequencing things and trying to show, Oh, it's different because of the genetics. But I, and, and it depends on which re- region you look in or how thorough you are or how thoroughly you look at the, you know, the, the well, and, 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 you know, not all animals are under the same speciation yeah, pressures, yeah. right? So animals that, you know, do not sit under heavy speciation pressures, their geno- their, their, their genes are not clocking at the same rate as something that's got a lot of pressure on it. So, you know, you might see heavy genetic difference between one population or another, but it has to be contextualized deeper than just this difference from this. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? I, that's my yeah. thing. Is like why? Yeah. What, what? What's? What are the what other? Selective what are the, what are the speciation what, yeah. pressures are happening there? Because it, it's it, it's not just you know nobody the it, nature and, and the environment is not it's a sliding scale all over mm-hmm. the place for different reasons and and so and and that, and I guess that's what my issue is 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 like when you just look at, at a genetic level you're taking one piece of a bigger puzzle and trying to make inferences around something when, when really looking at m- more of the puzzle will help you get an idea of what the puzzle yeah. is. And, right? and that's like, why I think they've kind of, uh, the, the trend is moving away from looking at just the genetics to also looking at where they occur, you know, what they're doing, mm-hmm. what they look like, any kind of differences in morphology. And, you know, this, this, uh, um, paper includes, you know, different measurements of like head size or l- arm length and things like that. So it takes in these things into account and, and really makes it, uh, a very detailed and, uh, you know, helpful, um, 
analysis. So it's not just genetics. It's all these other things coming into play. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you don't have the funding or the, the, you know, instrumentation to run genetics, you know, yeah, yeah. You can say, ah, oh, I don't like this paper, but it's really hard to, you know, sh- show or publish something yourself without, you know, teaming up with a lab that has the same capabilities that that original group did. So, and, and, I don't know. And, and exactly. And if you have a lab that has genetic capabilities, you're more likely to you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it, you know, again, it kind of goes to some of those biases I was talking about in the beginning and and you can see examples of them just based on what type of a researcher you might be, what your background might be, where you're, you know, how you. Um, I, I will say you you do have to have some kind. I mean, your your biasy your you know initial bias is your hypothesis, right? You can say this is how I think sure. it's happening, but you have to be open to the fact that it may not be that way, and you have to sure. be open to data that uh, contradicts your hypothesis. And so, you know, obviously there are instances where that doesn't happen, and the people ignore the data and go with their you know what they want it to be and, and manipulate the data or or try to fit it to to match what they think, and that's you know, that's when you get into scientific misconduct and people can have their credentials stripped and they can, you know, be fired from their jobs. And so I think it's, it's a rare thing. Um, does it happen? Yeah. But is it common? Probably not too common, you know, but you okay. So, but to go back to the children's Python paper, right? Like, I don't think any of those researchers were, you know, committing acts of bias, known biases or any, I don't think there was anything Mm. wrong with what they're doing. I just think they looked at it from, you know, one lens. And I think there was some other stuff like the, the phenotypical differences, the scale count differences, other differences that, they just kind of like, eh, well, that's why taxonomy that's is bunk. You know? <laughs> it's just right, so hard because exactly. so, they're and making the, and up the, and what they what want I, it to be, you know, almost like, it, you know, there's such a loose structure and such a, such an ill-defined thing that you can pretty much say and, whatever and you I want as long as you have some was, data. And, and I guess my point yeah. around that was if your background is in genetics and that is how as a researcher, you know, you're approaching um, maybe a taxonomic reclassification is with a background in genetics, then that's what you're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. But if you're a herpetologist, uh, you know, who has has, you know, is, is doing something around, ta- you know, taxonomy, maybe you're looking at it from a different perspective. Right. So that's what I mean, like it, the, the biases of, of your background and how you approach it and, you know. Yes, they brought other factors in, but did they weigh those other factors as heavy as they did the the genomic research that they did, right? Yeah, that's the trick, I guess. And I believe, yeah, so... um, And I'm not saying anybody's wrong here. I'm just saying, like, you you know, I'm just trying to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, when you... you, There's all kinds of of potential biases that, you know... And I don't mean it as, like, malicious biases. They're just, like, things that, like... You know, yep. based on how you go at something, well, right? And, like maybe you miss something or whatever. Yeah, and and the uh, I mean the 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 authors, the guy, the gene jockey is the same guy on the Anteresia paper as on the Nefuris paper. So you got Steve Donellan right. that's right. doing you know the work for both papers, and so you know it it uh, and, and, and uh, undoubtedly his genetic work is 
Oh, Solid, I'm sure it right? is. Like, yeah, I it's mean, just how you, you interpret yeah, that right? and like, your your limits or whatever exactly. you set. You know, so exactly. Yeah. So it's not the it's not the genomic work that's the issue. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's how that it's it's how all that data is compiled and the conclusions that are made from it that maybe you know did you include other forms? Did you you know whatever yeah. whatever yeah. whatever yeah. we've killed it. Yeah, I we've think so. It. So, I mean, just, I guess when you're reading things, just read with a grain of salt and, and kind of, you know, and, and we should use our own critical thinking skills to say, does this jive with what I, I have seen or with the data that I've collected? And we have to be able to tell ourselves like, no, that's, they're probably right. Or, or I don't know. They're, I think I, I differ with them in this regard, you know. So we mm-hmm. have to we have to be able to kind of make those conclusions for ourselves sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we we do our best with with what we have, and that's what it, anybody does, I guess. That's what these scientists are doing. Yeah. And, and science changes, and that's the beauty of science is is they can go back and say, no, nope, we were wrong. Here's here's how it is now. And that may change too, you know. So back in the day, they were all Antaresia children. I so maybe we're just headed back yeah. to that. Maybe they they missed the good old days maybe when everything was ta- just maybe children. Taxonomy <laughs> just rolls in big yeah. wide circles. Maybe that, these that loops back these uh, guys just really hated Stimson. They just can't stand that guy, and so it they like we're, we're stripping his name from these snakes. Uh, who knows? But you know, I, I doubt the that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Be. So. We there, but there's a lot of things, yeah. And, and I mean, we we make strides and we make missteps, and and that's science. I mean, we you know people used yeah. to think the Earth was flat and that the sun revolved around the Earth and and things like there that. There's still people who and think now we're moving that the Earth back is flat into flat Earth or something. Yes, so, exactly. which you know, that's exactly. exactly what these guys are doing with Antaresia. They're going back to the flat Earth. <laughs> 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 okay, I'm, I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead. Justin <laughs> wants to put them on a rocket to prove that they are yeah. wrong. Uh, take them out to Western Australia. I mean, they have, they have pictures. Yes. They even have a picture of a pygmy bandit python, I think in here in this paper, but <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so, you know, we, we do the best we can with what we've got. So what do you do? But clearly some research does not sit well with the <laughs> And that's the, the beauty of science too, is you can disagree with it and you can try to generate, yep. you know, hypotheses or your own interpretation where, you know, they, they might've missed something, but I don't know. Their, 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 uh, analysis was pretty deep, I suppose. So, you know, mm-hmm. more power to them, but what do you do? Well, any other points we need to make? Any summary? We kind of went no, off on I mean, a tangent. You know, didn't we? I, we did. Yeah. We really. I think we we had a great idea for a topic, and we just really we really talked into a into the cesspit about yeah, it. Yeah, hopefully, but, yeah, um, hopefully you guys got something out of this, and it wasn't too we, painful. We, we, to we were to trying it. for a more focused uh, approach to this, yeah. but uh, maybe we focused in the wrong area. Thus, going back to the biases that you no. no I'm sorry. So I, I think so, I would say in summary, like. There, there is good data to be found from, from studies. I think you need to understand what type of study it was and what kind of information you hope to glean from that study. And then, you know, it, you know, make sure that you know that nothing's ironclad, that, you know, there's lots of ways to, to look at things. Or, you know, maybe it's a snapshot in time. Maybe they just did a study one or a couple months out of the year and then, 
you know, they missed a big window of activity or something. So their, you know, their data set is limited so they can say, oh, we saw this at this time, but don't take that to mean that's all the animal does, you know, like dietary studies. If you're just looking at preserved specimens and they collected specimens, you know, in the summer, but their diet other times of the year is different, you know, or, or just during a couple months, you know, they only have a few samples. So try not to overinterpret the data is, I guess, my point. And, uh, yeah. yeah and I, I think there's plenty of research that happens off the back of other research yeah. that comes up to find out that the research that they were, you know, basing their work off of was shite, mm. you know, so, <laughs> or different, you know, not shite, but, you know, d- yeah. d- they, they found very different conclusions yeah. from what, you know, the previous research yeah. found, or even re, you know, trying to reproduce somebody else's work and not being able to reproduce it. So there's, you know, I mean, this happens a lot. Mm. So it's not one of those things where people should, you know, read a scientific anything and take it as, as like you said, like it's the gospel because, you know, science is, uh, you know, it's tough. It's a, yeah. yeah, And and there's a lot of, you know, like, like, like anything, there's a lot of nuance to it, just like Fight yeah. Club. But there's a lot of nuance. Get into the literature, read abstracts, read yeah. things. You know, look at the figures, look and see, and see what they're looking at. You know, educate yourself. Don't just trust other people's word. I think that's a scary thing of our society these days. Is we just trust too much stuff, especially stuff on the internet. We just trust it without verifying. You know. Um, it's, it's okay to question data and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, the way it goes, but good that times, good goes. times. Mm-hmm. I need help. So, yeah. Um, I think, you know, we've pretty much covered what we were going to cover with this. Um, I hope everybody got something out of it. I, I feel like, you know, um, you got to start somewhere when it comes to, 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 to finding information and, and finding research and, and scientific research. And, and, uh, you know, the more you read, the more, you know, you can, you know, a lot of, a lot of these papers are referenced, people referenced each other's work. And so, yeah. you know, get, get into those, get into those publications. I, I think, you know, again, as I said, on the, in the beginning, you know, um, Scientific research, uh, peer-reviewed research, is the best form of of knowledge that that we have put together as humans. Um, and I think you know, obviously, everything is fallible. So you have to be a critical reader, a critical thinker. Uh, whether that's in your herp room, uh, observing your animals as a student of the serpent, or whether that's reading peer-reviewed research. Um, always be thinking for yourself, always be trying to up your game and, you know, um, draw inferences from things that, that can help better you. And, 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 uh, man, don't be afraid to, uh, to, to publish yourself if you have some, some insights and don't be afraid to be wrong. And, um, you know, that's so, you know, being wrong is being right in a different sense. Right. Well said. um, Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to try to publish, get, you know, team up with somebody who knows how to publish or, or just, you know, read the instructions for authors and (laughs) figure it out on your own and do the best you can. I think that's why, um, some of those journals like her, uh, uh, her, 
Oh my goodness. I'm so terrible. Herp review. Herp review is such a great journal because they take little observations. So like if you see something eating something strange, you know, oh, I, I saw, you know, a mulga eating a DOR death adder, you should publish that. And I'm speaking to myself because mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. see that and I need to publish that. <laughs> so I just never have taken the opportunity, but um, we can publish those things and, you know, citizen science is a real thing and, you know, get into it. So. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully you got something out of all our rambling and, and ranting. And, and, uh, but I thought it was a decent discussion. And hopefully you got some insight into publications. And um, we'll, we'll thank the uh, NPR Radio Network. They're off enjoying themselves in Australia. So hope they're, it looks like they're finding a lot of good carpets and other reptiles. So pretty sweet. Word. I, can't, <laughs> I cannot wait for the picture, the picture yeah. dump when it gets back. And, and the, the recap, the report of the trip. So yeah. that'll be fun to listen to. Definitely. Yeah, check out all their Definitely. stuff. I guess they're on hiatus for a bit until they get back. And, and But, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get this show released. I don't know if Eric will be able to put it out there or not. But um, maybe he has a little spare time. I don't time know if the Mac and Wookiee's doing edits or what. I'm I doubt not it. sure how that's going to go. Yeah. Contractually, I don't know if he's obligated. Yeah. But uh, check us out. I'm uh, Justin Julander on Facebook or JG Julander on Instagram. My website's australianaddiction.com. You can find information to order a book or a poster or an animal. Um, hit me up if you're interested in something. Um, but yeah, how about you, Chuck? Uh, I am Chuck Norris Wins on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook uh, as Chuck Poland. Um, yeah. Good stuff. So, All right. Well, thanks for listening, yeah. and we'll catch you again next week for uh, another edition of Reptile Fight Club. Don't forget, the Good Doctor's book is out. If you haven't gotten your copy, please do. Fight Club. Fight Club.